I'm Billy Clark. I'm Clayton Apgar. And this is The Higher Life. So what is this show about? I think it's a show about professional life. It's a show about professional life. And it's a show about sharing stories of dream jobs. How people got them, Mm -hmm. how they kept them, Mm -hmm. and how they find the next one. Yep. Some have fallen into those jobs. Others have pursued them with a singular passion. So it's definitely not about how the jobs came about, but it very much is about their journey, their story. Mm -hmm. And the inputs to that journey, right? So what did people have to do Mm -hmm. to to make those jobs a reality? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's active, sometimes it's passive. They might not, you know, the right place, right time, it all landed. Or it could have been years and years of education and the right interviews and the right internships. You know, there's no set course of action to land that career. Sometimes it's totally surprising. Sometimes it is a pure focus in one direction. And I think what's most interesting is we find that people have multiple dream jobs Mm -hmm. over the course of their career. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be more and more prevalent as the generations continue. Because it feels good and it's the dream job for a place and time. And things change, life transitions, there's a pivot. And what was the dream job kind of becomes the steady eddy, and then it's time for the next one. Yeah, we definitely want to explore what a dream job actually means because there are parameters for everyone with every job. It's not open-ended. It's not simply a passion. Well, yeah, it's work at the end of the day. So, you know, is it a, and this is a decision that folks need to make in their evaluation of the dream job. Mm -hmm. You know, is, what is the main driver? What is the priority? Is it financial stability? Is it personal fulfillment in the professional context? Is it uh, the right title? Is it the right city? Mm -hmm. And those are so unique. But interestingly, the methodology is the same. Yeah, It's just a matter of assessing which ones are most important for you at that point in your life. Yeah, Because again, as things move along, family, significant others, the priorities shift. Discovering you actually want to be doing something else with your working days. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to explore this with a lot of different people and in a lot of different professions and walks of life. In as much as every industry is unique, every job can be unique, there are those common threads. Exactly. To tease those out. And I think in addition to the different types of people, the different like levels of seniority and sort of where people are in their mm-hmm. career arc, there's just as much excitement at 25 as there is 55, depending on kind of what you're looking for and where you're positioned to head. Yeah. I'm excited to speak with just a variety of experience levels Mm -hmm. because you can learn something along the way. You know, a 55-year-old can learn something from a 25-year-old and vice versa. I mean, as we can attest, when we both moved to New York after college, we had no idea what we were doing. In life, in work. Just wanted to live in New York (laughs) and figure (laughs) the rest of it out. Yeah. And it's funny that people sometimes consider those like the best days of their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Before, I don't know, before you start worrying about professional trajectory. Exactly. Because you've, I think, 
an important piece is the exploration yeah. of where one wants to go professionally. And sometimes it's doing the unprofessional that helps you set that course. Mm -hmm. So it might be traveling for a year after undergrad or taking the gap year in order to kind of really see and expose yourself to things if you have that luxury and flexibility. Right. Or some folks, they really work well in an academic environment. And so going back to school is the most productive use of their time to make the pivot. So, okay, yeah, grad school has to be the thing because I'm making a complete 180. Or in order to grow and develop and get that Fortune 500 C-suite job, I have to have an MBA or a law degree or whatever. I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like I know I wasn't ready almost for professional life, I feel like, until my late 20s, which is why I bounced around, became an actor, then went back to grad school. I feel like it was as much a journey of like, am I ready to grow up? I mean, for sure. Like, And I think start this thing. There are no, the most interesting piece for me was right out of undergrad, the guardrails are completely taken off. You can kind of do whatever you want. There's no longer a set prescription. There's no longer a career counselor. There's mm -hmm. no longer... I should say no longer. The built-in conveyor belt kind of stops. And so you're responsible for hopping off of that and like tr transitioning to a different treadmill. Yep. And sometimes you're on the walk speed. Sometimes you're on the sprint <laughs> speed. Sometimes you just get off the treadmill and just stand there and stretch. And that's kind of the cool part about the career journey is it's not a set standard. Right. And I love the fact that we've developed this methodology that's applicable to anyone and everyone across a myriad of career types, industries, experience levels, and professional motivations. Because again, it's all about reshifting the priorities yeah. to match where the person is. Yeah. I, actually, it's a good point. We, I mean, maybe in case it's useful, we should share like a couple sentences on background. Sure. Like, why are we talking about this at all? Why do we have any authority to speak to this? We don't really, but... Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I guess I will, I will lead it off. Grew up in Chicago, went to school in Boston. I was a marketing and French studies student. Loved college, loved like being in school. And when I moved to New York, it was all about moving to New York. Obviously I had professional ambitions to be successful and these large swaths of like professional endeavor mm -hmm. hadn't to your point, really crystallizes, like, what am I going to do? I was just more interested in being in New York with my friends from college and, like, yeah, basically running around, supporting myself and being an adult <laughs> to a degree, but, like, having a good time and just experiencing life. It's like um, 60%. Yeah, I would say close, yeah, probably, probably closer generous. to 75. <laughs> anyway, and I found my first job wasn't a career. Interestingly, it was just a job. And it was professional. It was, you know, a white collar investor relations role in a multinational company and like seemingly should have ticked a lot of boxes. And I'm very thankful for what I learned there. I learned how to like go to work mm -hmm. and be accountable in a way that you don't do as a student. And that was probably the most formative year professionally for me in a lot of ways, just from a, when it comes to like the genuine function of going to the office. I mean, that's a great point. I feel like you don't necessarily learn or hear even when you're graduating from higher education that the first couple of years you might spend simply learning how to go to work. And, well, like, and learning how to like the rules of the road. Mm -hmm. You sit in a weird seat that like everyone can see 
Yeah. You, and and it, and that's fine to just if that's what the first job totally. or and jobs I, and, are. And learning the politics of an organization, right? Because for the first time, you're peers with people that could be 25 or 30 years older than you. Yes, they're obviously a you know a superior on the food chain, but they're still a peer in the sense of you work together. Yeah, they're a colleague, and how to engage with them in a respectful manner, but also realize it's oh wow, like I need to ask this person for something and they're not like my friend's mom. Mm -hmm. They're not a professor. And that decorum, I think, is probably the most, is the word that I kind of pull from that experience. It's the most like relevant, I guess. Because you just learn how to be a professional mm -hmm. and like write an email and like handle the printer and like know like when you need to, you know, this is obviously back pre-digital days, 2005. We would print all these reports and documents and brochures and like and it would be delivered to a client and they would like be reviewing it. Obviously, that was the point of what we did. <laughs> and I found it so frustrating, the process. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know who to ask, but like I have to figure it out. And I would just want to leave and go to the gym at six o'clock. And it like <laughs> wasn't an option. The program, yeah. And like, why do I have to be here at nine o'clock? But I learned that like showing up, paying attention, in a non-academic pursuit, took a year. Yeah. It really did to understand. And then also balancing that with the personal life. You're 22, running around, have a late night, like still to get yourself to the office, mm -hmm. pulled together and mm -hmm. ready for that meeting at 9.15. Anyway, so it's a, it was a great experience. And then I knew that I was so not clued into the upward mobility of that organization. It wasn't for me. And I think in general, like, a career in marketing also felt like it wasn't for me. And I ended up meeting with my former business part, well, boss, eventual business partner about, you know, career advice and where to do something in the creative world, et cetera. Long story short, at the end of the meeting, he offered me a job to work <laughs> in recruiting. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. I need to think about it. And as every auspicious 23-year-old does, they call their parents mm -hmm. and sought some counsel. And they were like, honestly, like, we're so miserable listening to you be miserable. Just like, do something else. Yeah. Say yes. And so I jumped in head first, like truly like a sailor dive into the deep end. <laughs> um, had no, no clue. Knew that I was interested in like the creative world. Knew that, like, I'd done, some, you know, been engaged in some, like, the on-campus recruiting sentiment and what that felt like to get people onboarded and excited about an organization. So that kind of felt natural to me. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't know that this was actually, like, a career. I remember thinking... When Certainly I, not a dream job, necessarily. I mean, 1,000%. I just thought it was kind of, like, biding time until I would apply to business school. Yep. Fast forward 11 years later, no business school, no advanced degree, <laughs> but was buying a business in a field that I am super passionate about and like love the clients we service, love the relationships I've developed, but I didn't study it. It wasn't something like, oh, for instance, like my sister's a doctor. There's a very specific rigorous track one has to be on to pursue that type of a career mm -hmm. that just was not ever going to be me. And so I kind of figured it out on my own early on. And I laugh, I have to be an entrepreneur because I really only ever worked for myself after 23. <laughs> you saying for, you're unemployable. Unemployable, at, like with a capital U. <laughs> Actually, all caps. And <laughs> it was it was kind of the best career decision I ever could have made was sort of jumping in headfirst, not realizing 
where I was going, what I was doing. I didn't have a plan other than it just felt right. Mm -hmm. And I was able to assume a level of risk at that, at that age. Wasn't making any money anyway. So like, right. You know, as long as I was in that not cash flow negative, we could make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it was in retrospect, it was kind of like blind confidence that you have in that age, mm -hmm. in that period of your life. You're like, okay, like I'll try something. And I'm really happy I did because it opened up a whole new I mean, it, philosophy. it opened up your, the journey that became your professional life. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, there's a lot about me. <laughs> Meandering rivers. <laughs> Here and there. Exactly. Everywhere. Um, so tell me about you. Well, we, you founded then a recruiting firm mm -hmm. called Billy Clark Creative Management. That I did. I joined you as a partner in Billy Clark Creative Management. And we, the impressive-ish sounding stuff is that we work with companies and brands to help them find talent. At all levels, all shapes, all sizes, all colors, all creeds. Mm -hmm. And we have, in the process, counseled over 5,000 professionals on their careers. All stages. Mm-hmm. All levels, mm -hmm. all typologies. Yeah. Because again, the same questions exist for a CFO as exist for an executive assistant. Yeah. You know, in that career arc and journey and process. Mm -hmm. And so we found over the years that we were speaking a lot of the same method to to every person that we were counseling. Yep. And not even so much on purpose; it just kind of happened. And yeah, you see the patterns totally of advice and. Lo and behold, 2020 was a crazy moment for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot more time on our hands than we had previously and thought, well, the world is kind of taking a pause. Let's pursue something different. And so we put the fingers to the keyboard and wrote a book. We did. Yes. Yeah, so we are also the authors of The Little Book to Land Your Dream Job. Which is this methodology you've been speaking about, shared to a broader audience, mm -hmm. but solidified in a tome of sorts that is evergreen. You kind of kind of revisit wherever you are in the career process or journey. Yeah, we hope people will feel like they can pick it up at any time, any stage of their career as a primer. You can flip to any chapter and find a strategy or a practical approach to some aspect of career. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make it less stressful. And by no yeah. means is finding a job entertaining, believe me. But we want to demystify it mm -hmm. and make it feel like an adventure, I guess, to a degree. And like uh, there are aspects of it, at least, that are enjoyable. And it feels like the opportunity that a new job can be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like you're on the precipice of something great. And you kind of need some guidance. Yeah. And at a certain point in your career, it's hard to ask your parents. It's hard to ask professors. It's hard. It, you kind of need to start making those decisions on your own. And so if this book can kind of be that touchstone for people that are amidst that process, mm -hmm. we'd be thrilled. And it just feels really good to have put consolidated all of what we speak about on a regular basis into a narrative mm -hmm. that can be shared with everybody. Felt really yeah. Liberating. And that is now a springboard to chatting with people on the higher life about their careers, about these stories. Where they're headed, what they're up to. Because mm -hmm. I think that's also one of the things that we found over the years. The individual 
narrative of a career, you know, it's like a snowflake, no two are alike, which is obviously very true, but it's inspiring to listen to other people talk about how they got from A to B to C to D. Mm -hmm. And that dot connecting is, you can follow a path that somebody might have forged previously yeah. and take cues from what was successful for them and avoid the pitfalls they might have made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't directly replicate somebody else's career, but the inspiration can always be there. The takeaways can always be there. And you can see in somebody else's career a kind of roadmap. Totally. And then you drive it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Map quest for careers. <laughs> yeah, the higher life map exactly. quest for careers. We love it. Google Maps for careers. Um, I know map quest people are going to be like, what is oh. that? <laughs> um, our younger Back to 05. Exactly. The Higher Life comes to you from Little Book Productions and is produced by Hanger Studios in New York. Our gratitude many times over to Rob Cairns, who composed our theme music, Julia Deutsch, who created our graphics, and the fantastic teams at Billy Clark Creative Management and Little Book Productions. Thanks for listening, and as always, onward. Onward.